<laughs> Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. Thank you that, that uh, we know you and that we're known by you and that we're loved by you. And because of how greatly we've been loved by you, we're able to love uh, not only you, but others. And so as we just look at your kingdom coming and what that looks like for us, Lord, I pray that it would have impact upon our lives, Lord, upon our community and our families. Um, and that we would um, realize, Lord, that we're just passing through. This is a temporary place, and you have uh, given us the great call to, to bring your gospel to others and uh, build us up in our faith. Uh, we thank you for those who are listening every week, Lord. I pray that you would bless them too. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So, oh, he arrived great entrance, Doug. You can't escape. <laughs> so we've been looking at briefly about what it means for the kingdom of God to be among us. Remember when Jesus came, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he gave this idea that the presence of himself, mainly the presence of Jesus Christ on earth, was the very presence of the kingdom of God. And so because you and I all carry within us the very spirit of Christ. Um, we can say that the very, the very kingdom of God is present and at hand um, where, wherever we are. And so, that, again, obviously, as we just talked just a, and laughed a few minutes ago, this is, not a, this is not, you know, utopia. This is not heaven on earth right now. Uh, we get glimpses of it, and uh, we live in what's called the now we still have the presence of the kingdom now, but the fulfillment of it is not yet. And so we're always looking forward to, to okay, we know it's going to be better than this, but we still can experience it to some degree now. So as Christians, what are some things that you find um, that challenge you to believe that the kingdom of God is really here now and residing within you? Okay, so you added that and residing with <laughs> <laughs> So again, uh, Jesus Christ says the kingdom of God is at hand. It's present in him. We carry him with us, right? And so we can e easily look at what Paul has said. We're citizens of heaven and, and uh, you know, we're ambassadors now as citizens of heaven and, and, and we've been born into the kingdom. So we carry the kingdom with us. Um, so what are the challenges, though, that we have? Uh, to me, there are two. It, we're the, it's the Satan sinner thing, and it's the world we're living in right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're still in this world. Right. Those two things. So the hope of a, of peace, the hope of a sin-free world, the hope of uh, just joy and no shame and no sadness and no guilt is sometimes a difficult thing for us to to even grasp onto, and then to say that that actually is who you are and you carry that with you creates some challenges, right? Because we're still faced with this world. We're faced with, with, uh, with ourselves and the fact that we are sinners and saints. We look in the mirror and we go, okay, I know what God says about me, but boy, I'm really struggling these days. Or the, I blew it here. Uh, Carly and Steve. Oh, that's an interesting yeah, point. I like that. Okay. You know, let's say the music that some of my kids listen to, and yet they say they're Christian. 
that to me is that it doesn't work. Yeah. Because of the word. Okay. Yeah, you want to listen to the word. Uh huh. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Not as much as we'd like to admit. Steve. Oh, yeah. Gene, uh, raise your hand. I'll, I'll. Well, there's that compromising spirit within us. Okay. That, like you said, you know, we realize that we are of the kingdom of God. We realize we are His. But you know, it's really nice watching that action movie on TV. Or that, that, um, that country western movie that's talking about beating up the ex-boyfriend. You know, we, you know, there's that part of us that gets drawn into that, and we have to, I think we have to continue, I, I think part of our, our walk is learning to push that stuff all aside and just walk down the straight and narrow path that Christ has given us, and he's told us it's a narrow path. Okay. Steve? I was going to say, I was just ping-ponging off these two over here, and that's my carnal nature. The things that uh, uh, body appetites, uh, disciplining myself, uh, the more you walk in the Word, it becomes easier. But I, it, It's amazing how in the spiritual warfare, uh, how it just comes back. You're just driving down the street, and, and uh, it's easy to be guy cut you off, and uh, I'm bilingual. <laughs> so you're all bringing up something interesting which makes me just sidetrack for a moment um, because we have this idea of Satan sinner um, and, and we have th this challenge I think as believers um, to feel guilty for enjoying some things of this world um, which I would say God's like, yeah, I'm not so concerned about some of that. Uh, again, this is the challenge we have. Again, not that we just go and do whatever we want, but I think as Christians, we should appreciate some of the things that this world has to offer in greater ways than other people because we know who created it. We understand um, who's the giver of, of all things, and so that brings a richness to what we enjoy, uh, you know, not the sandwich I had at Buddy's yesterday, but the salad was good. But the family was good, right? I was hanging with family. It was a surprise. So in Romans chapter 7, um, we have this interesting narrative that Paul talks about. And it speaks a lot to what we're talking about. Um, and let's just go to <laughs> um, verse 15 of 7, if you're looking it up. And Paul says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not do, that I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Now, what you are all describing is what Paul is experiencing. I don't want to do these things, but I find myself that I keep doing them. 
Now, this doesn't mean that we just say, well, whatever, you know. But it is to recognize that, wait a second, that's no longer who I am, which helps you fight that battle. Because some of the things that you all mentioned, I would say, are, are, are non-essentials. And probably, now, are they beneficial? I mean, is it beneficial to listen to music that has a bunch of curse words and degrades women and talks about, you know, killing? Probably not. Probably not beneficial. Does that dictate whether or not you're, the work of Christ is sufficient for you? No. And so there's a lot of people who claim Christ, and they go through some time where you're like, hmm, okay, they say they're Christians, now let's just hold on uh, and pray. Uh, you know, uh, everyone has a different, a different thing that's a trigger for them. So, uh, you know, I'm going to pick on Jean, because she's mentioned it several times, TV, right? It's something that, that, that you know is, is something that's a time sucker and a distractor from your walk with the Lord and, and, and causes you to whatever, right? And so, but for others of us, TV's not a big deal. Take it or leave it, or I don't, you know, I like TV, I like some shows. Um, and so we have to be careful, like for a long time, you know, you're told, I mean, big, big, a big what to do came out when the Passion of the Christ came out because it was rated R. And so in the Christian world, they're like, you know, a bunch of churches were like, oh, let's go rent the movie theater. But they're like, how can we put our hand to a rated R film? Right. And so there was this big debate, maybe not, you know, in this church, but a lot of churches really wrestled with, can we support a movie that is a rating that we say that if you're a Christian, you can't watch a rated R film, which I have heard that, by the way. Um, and so, so you have to be careful that we don't usher in what's called legalism and say, well, the kingdom of God looks like this, right? You don't watch these movies, you don't listen to that music, you don't drink, you don't chew, you don't hang around with those who do, right? I mean, that's, that's what I grew up in. But at the same time, you don't sit there and go, well, anything goes in the kingdom of God. No, that's not true either. So this is that tension that will go back to the beginning that, that Harold mentioned. We're both saint and sinner at the same time. We're, we're people who are called saints by God, but yet we're clothed in these bodies that still wrestle with sin. And I, and I always like to say, we're not just saint sinner, we are saints who struggle with sin, right? Because our identity is now saint. In the flesh, we're a sinner, but we should be wrestling and struggling with sin. As a Christian, you, you shouldn't just go, ah, well, that's the flesh. You, you, you go like Paul, well, who shall save me, right? And of course, then we go in and he says, thanks be to God that Christ has paid the price and then Romans chapter 8, verse 1, after he goes through all this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's where we wrestle between the now and not yet, is that we find ourselves doing things. Oh, where did I put my... Thank you. We find ourselves doing things, and that becomes our definition of whether or not we're a good Christian or not. By the way, horrible term good Christian. You know, and when you look at other people, oh, that person will make a good Christian. Well, everyone will make a good Christian because Christ is good, so he's the good one. Jean. When we were wrestling with legalism and whatnot, is mm -hmm. I've come to the conclusion that it's whether that activity impedes your relationship with God. Sure. Like for some people, drinking seriously impedes their ability to, you know, have a a good relationship with Christ and God. Whereas someone else will pick on you. You can sit there and enjoy a whatever 
you know, and have a nice evening and it, it not interfere with that relationship. You know, same way with TV or social or whatever, when it becomes so much more to you than God, that's when it's a problem. And in the kingdom, there's freedom. And so, but there's no sin. So that's where we are like, man, I'm stuck in this kingdom, but I still sense the sin All right. <laughs> that I have. There you go. Uh, and, so, and so here's where we wrestle, right? And so the kingdom of God is present within us. And I think that's a, that's a, a pretty awesome thought and a very kind of overwhelming thought, a little daunting. So, wow, I... I you know, because sometimes I don't feel like the kingdom of God is very present. I'll just be honest with you. Um, you just kind of go with your time. But scripture tells us different. So we kind of looked at the verses about describing the kingdom of God last week. And so I want to dive into why do we pray for the kingdom of God to come? Before we look at scripture, why do we pray for that? Why do we pray that your kingdom come? Okay. He's talking about the kingdom that Christ is going to usher in. Well, we're looking right at now. well, we're looking at the the Lord's prayer, right? It says, "Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." So, <laughs> so he says. Uh, Martin Luther says, um, "The kingdom of God's going to come, certainly without whether we pray about it or not, because that God said it's going to. So, why should we pray for it?" Now, I'm not answering your question completely. For, for good purpose, because if we want his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, does that mean that his kingdom has to come back and establish? Does it mean what? Does it mean for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, does that mean that he has to come and establish his kingdom on earth? He's already established it. I mean, okay. I mean it's right here and there. But right. I mean, you need to spread the word. I mean, I think... The kingdom coming is spreading the word. Yeah, that's that's definitely part of it, for sure. I mean, if we're saying my kingdom, oh, I won't answer yet. Steve, go ahead. No, go ahead. She's scratch her nose. Oh, not picking, scratching. I was just thinking of getting your own by the Holy Spirit, getting your own heart ready to receive it. Okay. Because if you don't receive it, you you know. The people that are, in your, that are in your world, your neighbors, friends, family, whatnot, that's the only, you're the, probably the closest thing you're going to see. And if you don't, if you're not sharing the kingdom, of, the kingdom they see is going to be in you and how you manifest it. So I think there's a duality of prayer that we're looking at. You know, kingdom come, your, your will be done on earth. As, I think for us, right? Don't we want that his will be done in our lives, right? And that's where it starts. And then that helps us, to, to Harold's point, that helps us then spread the word because we're assured of what the kingdom is. We're assured of, that his will is being done in our lives. And then we look at the ultimate, God, just come back, please. Please, Jesus, come back because we're tired of this world. But then, see, you have this tension. But then you go, wait, there's people that I know, that I love, that I've been praying for, who I'm not sure if they're ready for the kingdom to come, you know, in a real way. But Lord, I want your kingdom to come because I want peace to be on earth. I'm tired of this. You're the answer to everything. But I have people that I know 
right? That, that don't, that my heart is that everyone would be saved, like, like God. And so we find this balance back and forth. And so then what do we do? We, we, we kind of, to pick on Harold again, we say, okay, the kingdom of God is here, and it's my job to spread the kingdom of God so I can only impact and affect who I can affect, right? Who I can influence, who I can get beat. So Lord, who do I come in contact with today? Help me. Help me to represent your kingdom. May they know your kingdom is present in me. And then that makes me go desperate to go, boy, I certainly need some help because I will not represent correctly because yeah. uh, I'm very selfish. Like it's a safeguard prayer too, right? Yeah, sure. That we, we don't in our flesh represent him right. improperly. It might be a surprise too, as Pastor was saying, going to the store, talking to the same clerk, you may not know or really realize uh, when you gas the car, whatever it is, uh, what an encouragement you are. You know, we, we tend to not pay attention, but I remember one time a guy came up to me and he said, I wanted to thank you. And I said, I don't remember who you are. He said, well, about seven years ago, you gave me a pair of boots. So <laughs> I'm just glad I did. You know, I'm, I'm just saying, it's just goofy stuff like that. There's just a little encouragement of, of uh, stuff that you never even think about. It, it's not even a, a flow. So... Matthew 4, 17, who's got that? Don't all talk at once. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay. So, from that verse, why do we pray for the kingdom of God to come? I know, I hear you. I hear you. And then after a couple of years, they feel the mortgage payment go up. They're like, now I want God to come back, right? I mean, you just like him to show up. <laughs> but what does Jesus say before he says, repent? So we see that there's a correlation between a turning away from wickedness and the sin and the kingdom of God, right? If the kingdom of God is, is, is in place in repentance, and so again, when we talk about the people that, even, I'm not even talk about the people that claim they're Christians, people who just aren't Christians, they, you know they don't believe in Jesus, man, repentance is a sure sign or a proof that the kingdom of God is at hand. And so we should want repentance to happen not only in our personal lives, but also in those especially that we're praying for. I mean, I don't want to pick on your granddaughter too much, but isn't that what you're hoping for? That, that whatever the circumstances she's in, that this would cause her to go, my ways are not working. Just like it happened with all of us, my way is not working. <laughs> and, and so, Lord, and I don't even like the people, and that, that's horrible, that, let me rephrase that. It frustrates me when people say, well, I tried God, and it just didn't work for me. I'm like, well, I don't think that's how it works. You don't just try him, you, you get to the end of yourself to where that's the only thing that works. Right? It's your only hope is, is God and Jesus. So, how about Matthew 9, 38? Again, why do we pray that the kingdom of God comes? Matthew 9, 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Okay. So, again, if we're praying for the kingdom of God to come, what does that 
prayer speak? How does that prayer that Jesus just spoke through Robert, because you're not Jesus, no offense, but <laughs> how did that prayer that Jesus is saying, pray to the Lord of the harvest, that workers would come, how does that praying that the kingdom of God would come? Right. So again, that prayer is that, that and I would say, let's begin with the church, that people would get off their butts and actually live like Christ is real. Um, again, and that, now you never want to put you know, a bunch of pressure or guilt trips on people, but God is calling us always to share his love, to share it with others, to pray for others. And sometimes, um, and I know we go through seasons, and I, and I understand that, but there are times that I've seen that people don't even pray for other people. And it's like, well, hold on, you don't know somebody that doesn't know Jesus? You know, what, that should be a burden to us. That should be, you know, something that we're like, okay, Lord. And Lord, bring somebody into their lives. Laura and I prayed for her parents. Really poor prayers, because we were not very living for the Lord very well. But we did pray. And some of it was because I just wanted the convenience of... of you know, getting along with my father-in-law. Um, but we prayed, and God brought a co-worker into their lives and became a friend who invited them on this retreat that they went, and they received the forgiveness of their sins from Christ. And, and it wasn't anything that we, but that's the prayer, Lord, that the kingdom of God came to people that we love. And it often happens through other people. Um, and so watch what God does. Yes, Steve? I was going to say, it's been a wonderful blessing we have about uh, six uh, missionaries that Bonnie went to college with almost 40 years ago, and we're still supporting them. But I mean, they're right now they're they're um, Edith is a, a, a main gun in YWAM and whatnot. But I mean, just 40 years of faithfulness, uh, it's just amazing. And what a blessing was that through relationships, you, you don't know on long term as you encourage other people to go into the ministry, small amount doesn't have to be a big amount. But the encouragement that you're able to give by either uh, being friends, donating, praying with or for us, it's been a wonderful gift to see other people watch the Lord use them in a, such a powerful way after 40, 50 years. Yeah, I mean, so we know when you have people that you're praying for, Lord, you know, surprise them with somebody. Uh, you, know, it, you know, if they're on the battlefield, you know, maybe be another soldier that they come in contact with. If they're, you know, a, a, a kid that's at work, you know, maybe a new employee would come in or something, you know, you just pray that these things happen because God will amaze you at what he does. Our problem is we sometimes don't believe that that's what he's going to do, right? And so we, we have to go, okay, Lord, help me in my unbelief. By the way, that's a great prayer. Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. I'm so glad Mark put that in there. Because it's so good for us to hear the man who believes that his, his son is, Lord, I believe you can do all things. Because he says, if you can. And Jesus says, well, if you can, you know, well, all things are possible who him who believes. And he goes, well, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. And I think that comes with spreading the gospel and believing that the, the kingdom of God is at hand. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 1. Again, why do we pray for the kingdom of God to come? Context for these verses. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. Great. So Harold answered that question 10 minutes ago so that the word of God spreads and it goes out. That's why we're praying. Again, when we go back to what Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, 
that that word needs to go out. We look at Acts chapter 2, and when Peter stands up after, after the Pente- day of Pentecost, um, repentance was key, right? They're like, okay, we're cut to the heart. What do we need to do? And he says, repent and believe, right? So we're looking for, the people have to be told, right? We, we need people that can have relationship and, and meet people in their, their need so that they would know. How about 1 Peter 2.12? Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may say by your good, they may by your good works, which uh, they observe, glorify God in the day of, the, of visitation. Okay. So, again, he's, he's, Peter's talking to a Jewish believing audience here. He says, hey, Act in such a way that people see the kingdom of God, basically, on earth. And it really looks like Peter heard Jesus say, hey, you know, when you do your good works, you know, we do them so that they may glorify not you, but your Father who is in heaven. And I think sometimes our challenge is we negate good works. Well, it's all about grace, man, right? We hear that we're justified through faith. What you are. You are, absolutely. Are good works necessary for salvation? Absolutely not. The good work of Jesus is necessary for salvation, but your work means nothing. But are good works necessary? And if you read the apostles, if you read Jesus, and you read especially James, absolutely they're necessary. It doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't justify you before God. But if you are truly a believer, then that should change a little bit about your outlook and how you function and your works then that god has prepared in advance you would walk in them are just a part of your life you work in such a way as peter says that others would see so when on the day of visitation they're glorifying god and not being condemned by god and so this is why we pray for the kingdom to come because it's all about people being brought into the you know the kingdom of god's not full yet which is why you, you might get tired of me saying, hey, we, we got we to gotta go out, we got to share, we got to love people, we got to ex- share life with people, and, and not just have a good time with them, but we, we, we get to that place where, we have, where they know us well enough that we're safe, and so we can talk about the things of the Lord, we can, we can, we can be in a meaningful conversation with them, and they'll receive it, you know, it's very rare that the dude on the corner who says, turn or burn, it's very rare that that's an effective ministry. Some of the billboards that you have going down 86, you know, like, okay, come on, guys. You, you know, can we have a better billboard than that? You know, are you ready to meet your maker? Well, okay, I get that. But we see that most often people come to Christ because people are praying for them and somebody brings them. Somebody drags them to church or brings the kingdom right into their life and says, you need Jesus. Um, and because it's a trusted person, they go, okay, I think you might be right. Um, our challenge is that when we become Christians, we don't want to hang out with non-Christians anymore, right? <laughs> become, I don't, that's not my life anymore. You're like, I'm in the kingdom of heaven now, right? This is where I belong. And so we, 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 we run that balance of how does that look, right? But all of us have people that we know, a lot of times family members, that don't know Jesus. Um, yes, Carly. I have to defend John the Baptist. <laughs> okay, is this world not going to a point where we need a John Baptist to come out and 
And John the Baptist came and said, flat out, talk to people about their sin and tell them to repent. That's like, we don't want to talk about sin. And we need some John the Baptist. Well, but, but there's, there's, a, there's a difference there, though, because John the Baptist was pre-Christ, so we need to understand that. There was, there, the Holy Spirit wasn't residing in people. The Holy Spirit, you know, your presence in the life of somebody because you carry the Spirit with you is convicting to them, whether you understand it or not. People came to see John the Baptist, and then people brought people to see John the Baptist, right? So there's a difference there. Relationship was big. Right? He did. And I would say that when someone's like, you have to pick your battles. Who's going to listen, right? Some people are just not going to listen to that message. But there are some people who are like, oh, the Holy Spirit's telling me to say this to this person right now. You just need to repent. Um, and so I think you have to, you have to um, always be listening to what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do, right? But if I'm going to walk up to somebody on the street that I don't know and just say, hey, repent, unless the Holy Spirit just totally took over and I couldn't help myself, I'm probably not going to do that. Because they're like, well, who are you? What does that mean? Right? Um, but again, back to John the Baptist, he came, people heard the message, and they brought more people. And word spread, and more people came to hear the message. And so I still think that the message goes forth, um, but it also means that other people are bringing that message to people and repent is always part of we looked at what did Jesus say repent for the kingdom of God is at hand so repentance is definitely part of the package um, I would just say that we have to speak that in a way that is is different than John the Baptist and why I say that is John the Baptist was saying repent because Jesus is coming right and he's coming again. right and so, but that was again before this whole idea that we have a different message now. It's not just repentance, right? His was just repentance. That was it. It wasn't repentance to being born again like it is today, right? So we have a better hope. So I agree, we do need to say that to people. Um, and maybe God's telling you, Carly, to get on the radio or to go stand on the corner and tell people to repent. Well, I have done that. Well, good. And I was going to say, I think, I think to Carly's point, to some degree, we live in a time and in an age where people are, that are not um, people of faith, that are seeing us, seeing people of faith as evildoers. And so I think that's where Peter is speaking here, is that, is that and that there will be a time and a, a place where we are spoken evil against, right? That we are doing the right. evil. And so this is where I think God would have us see that it's in this that we prove that, that he, is, um, he is gentle, he is kind, he is long-suffering. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that we don't speak repentance. It's just that we have to remember that when we're spoken evil against, that, that what we're giving back to them is a peaceable attitude that, that, you know, I mean, over and over we hear of how we are to treat those that come against the gospel, those who come against truth, that, that we are not to be argumentative towards them, that we're not to, to you know, 
create this hostility um, because there's already the hostility there. But to Carly's point, there are people who need to hear and are willing to hear, and it's timing to hear, repent, because they've, they're, they're just going down a road, right? You, you know, like I'm sure that's a conversation you have with your granddaughter. <laughs> you need to turn. It doesn't depend on me and what I say right. from the Holy Spirit. Right. What he's doing. I don't know if the Holy Spirit is working with this person or that person that I should say the right thing. Sure. Yeah. But I should say it to everyone. Not if not just if they're in the best mood or I I presented myself as so because I don't know who the Holy Spirit is working in. So I'm not afraid to speak about the Lord in any situation mm-hmm. because I don't know. That person might be standing there hostile to me. I haven't had that. When when we're speaking someone. truth, we're, there is going to be that right. that response sure. at times. When I was working with a, a friend of mine who was a Christian who was trying to get there and her husband was just absolutely demonic and strange. Mm. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit gave me the strength to stand there and say, you're wrong. You know, and God it will come and you will visit the Lord and you will face him. Yeah. And that's what it was given to say. And he turned and left and he didn't beat me up or something. You know, but <laughs> he I mean, couldn't argue with it. <laughs> I, I, I know for being as soft spoken as you can be and whatever, but I'm not against the billboards on the highway. You don't know who that speaks to. If the Lord is working on their heart, could be something that small. Or it could be something as the, of just the way he's living. You handed somebody a pair of boots. The, the whole thing is that our lives, we don't injure God's people that he's working with by our actions or by being hostile to that person or whatever. Because that's if, it's, it's like nowadays a lot of churches are accepting anything and everything instead of standing true to the Lord's word. I have to say that Jesus very often offended people and very often he put a guilt trip on them or laid pressure on them. I just see that we're coming to that time where they're calling the Bible hate speech that yeah, we're going to have, if I'm handing out some of my little things in my purse, somebody's going to say to me, that's trash, I don't like that. And I can look at them and say, you know what, the Lord loves you. If the Lord's calling you, you'll figure it out. You know, but I need to do those things because sure. I think the time is short. Yeah. S- Steve and then Jean. No, so Jean first. I enjoy listening to Jean. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> it's entertainment now. <laughs> <laughs> There's something that's been bugging me for a while, and it's and I can't remember where I read it and what part of the Bible, but we talk about world peace and we want peace, but I'm not so sure God is a God of peace. He's a God of peace between his children and him, because even Jesus said, I did not come for peace, you know, that, that you know, brother against brother and mother against daughter and father against daughter. The peace that we talk about in this world, I think is completely different than the peace of God, the peace of God that everybody's, I think everybody's talking about is that peace between God and me and between God and you. That's the peace that God is talking about. Which creates peace between us and one another, right? And so, but I think again, that's the kingdom of God that we're talking about because peace on earth won't happen 
until he comes and returns and establishes his kingdom on earth, right? Real peace. Now, can peace on earth exist in some form or fashion? That's, again, where when people repent and receive the gospel, they're at peace with God. Romans chapter 5, therefore we're at peace with God. And that's, again, what everybody needs. And so, you know, Carly points that out. You, you're not at peace with God and you're angry because you need to repent. Um, but again, what Carly said is really important. She said, the Holy Spirit gave me what to tell that guy. It wasn't like she was going to pick a fight. She was relying on the Holy Spirit. And I think that's where we have to go away. If we're citizens of heaven and, and the Holy Spirit is working in us, are we responding? You know, and... Uh, what the Holy Spirit does is if you don't respond, he'll bring it back again. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to do this. No, I don't want to. Okay, well, it's not going away until, you know, those opportunities come. Um, so. It's like Rhonda. You know, I think yeah. one of the things with Rhonda was her, you know, we have this misguided thing. Well, family is so important and I, I need to spend time with my family. And it's like, well, yeah, you're right, you know, on a very... Um, physical level, but what's more important, spending time with your family for the next 20 years, 40 years, 60 years, whatever, or spending your time with your family forever. And Jesus said that, you know, it's going to be mother against daughter, father against son. And it's like, who do you want to spend eternity with? Your kids in, etern- in hell or your kids with eternity with Jesus? It's like that saying, I will... Why do I want to go to heaven? I want to go to hell where all my friends are. I'm like, hey, yeah, don't, don't think you understand what, what these are. That's a really dumb statement. So, Steve, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I did. I was just going to say it's been my observation of watching 40 years and things. To Carly and Laura's point over there, for us guys, that some of the most effective evangelists I know are grandmothers, people, I mean, prayer warriors. They're given the, speaking the truth in love, as you're talking. And speaking the truth in love is something that comes from the heart of the Holy Spirit gives the women that I've been around the feminine mystique, these people are warriors and they need to be feared and respected because I'll tell you what, you get in the way of a praying grandmother, your tuchus is in trouble. Just, just don't get in the way of a praying grandmother. <laughs> yeah. People laugh at that, but I'll tell you what, there's some humility. Well, and what we all should realize, somebody, the, the reason any of us are here, mm-hmm. any of us know Jesus Christ is because somebody prayed for us. And that's a very humbling thing to go, wait a second, God heard the prayers of somebody, you know, and, and I am here because of that. Um, what, what an amazing God. And so... Number one, that was Jesus. Well, yes, he did pray for you. Um, and we're going to talk about prayer in this sermon, so I don't want to get away from it. I don't want to get too much away. But, but, but praying that the kingdom of God comes is really something for us to stop and ponder. First of all, do I really want the kingdom of God coming? And number one, do I want it really impacting my life? Because that's the first thing. Do I really live also in the kingdom of God? You mentioned peace, right? Do I feel at peace with God? Do I, do I, do I, am I in this relationship where I know that I've been forgiven, where I know that, that, that um, all will go well with me because God says so, right? And so, again, when we, when we kind of, teeter that line, the Holy Spirit's nice enough to make us feel a little unsettled, um, I'll call it that, so that we kind of come back, you know, so that, because it's so good when we know <laughs> that we're at peace with God. 
And so we know that we're participating in the kingdom. But then the kingdom of God is not for us to be selfish with. And God says his kingdom will grow. And what I love about what Luther says, it's going to happen whether you want it to or not. But let's, get, let, let's participate with what God wants. Well, there's no greater joy. I had a friend who, who took, took me somewhere once and he said, hey, I don't feel like you're, I feel like you're struggling in the will of the Lord. He goes, there's no greater joy than, 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 than doing what God is asking you to do, whether it makes sense to you or not. So I went through all the reasons of why I didn't think it made sense, and, and God made, made me hear what I was saying, and none of them were faith. <laughs> they were all, you know, and, and he said, those aren't good reasons. Those aren't good reasons. Okay. And so participating in the kingdom of God. So next week we're going to look at, and I'd like you to think about this, um, how does praying for the God's kingdom to come influence your behavior, the way you act? I mean, Carly's already said, uh, we're telling people to repent, right? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. And I think that, that we know that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of their sin. And so I never feel like you have to convince somebody that they're not perfect. You don't have to convince somebody that something's not right. What you have to do is say, Jesus is the answer. And that means you have to go, hmm, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. I have to say, okay. And again, we, those people can't do that without the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. And so they're responding to the Spirit's work, and you're participating with the Spirit's work. And so it's a, it's a beautiful thing that God wants us to understand that he is inviting us into participating with him. Again, those works that is prepared in advance, that we would walk in them. And so, um, but so often... Because we get this glimpse of the kingdom of God and we see that we are so far from it in this world that we kind of, I'm just, I'm not speaking for all of you, we kind of go, what's the use? What's the use? And, and God wants to encourage us and go, you know, uh, there was a prophet named Jeremiah who preached for 40 years the message of repentance and nobody turned. So, you know, you're, you're in good company if you feel like it's not happening. Uh, but parents, siblings, you guys have great opportunities, grandparents, to really pour into um, the work of the kingdom. In those people you have direct influence upon. And then we go out from there. And with one another. I mean, share the joy of the kingdom of God. I mean, I love, I love hanging out with all of you because we laugh. It's not, it's not that we don't recognize the severity of the world and the situation and the circumstances that we're in. I thank the Lord that the world looks and people admit that aren't Christians that it's going to hell in a handbasket. I thank the Lord for that because that gives us an opportunity in a dark world that we can shine. And so people are looking for us, like in that first Peter, they'll see kind of your conduct. They'll see what you're about and that'll cause them to come to a point of repentance. Um, and, and again, being led by the Holy Spirit to say, repent, break. I think it is, uh, as times get tougher, the chairs are going to be separated. I mean, we're going to find out the true followers of Christ. Mm -hmm. yeah, we're going to get persecuted, and, you know, and that's, that's what I get when reading Daniel and Ezekiel and Revelation. It's not going to be a bed of roses. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we need to stand up to the Lord every day under every circumstance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, and from generation to generation, there's this tension that, that I think of Joshua. Choose this day who you will serve. And we who are believers, the Holy Spirit 
cries out through us, choose Christ, right? And so, again, we look for the kingdom to come. But again, it should change. It should change. If we really pray that, it radically impacts the way we live our life. And again, not to go to legalism, because my sphere of influence is way different than Stephen's here, right? You know, I'm not working at Ganders. There's people there. I don't spend all the time with your kids that you do. Um, there's people there that you have influence on that I'll never get influence on. Um, so, uh, and wherever we're at. Yeah. So, let's pray. Lord, thank you again for your graciousness, for just how you love us. And I thank you for um, just how you work. And uh, uh, just even the be reminded that even that street corner or that that billboard lord can work lord so lord uh, forgive me for limiting you to those things lord uh, and so we just thank you that that uh, that you are speaking your truth even when we look at the mountains every single morning that, that the sun uh, shines upon and we just see your glory clearly i thank you for that reminder that you are alive and well and you are working and we pray for your kingdom to come Help us to be part of your work. In Jesus' name, amen.